friends, you've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items, like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave, and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Hi-V. Appreciate you tuning in to a new episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. Week one of the NFL season is in the books. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a little bit to, to kick things off, the opening kickoff here on the on the podcast. We're going to get to that. I'm going to get you my week two picks, fantasy uh, fancy football picks. We're going to do a little Legends Never Die segment talking about Bears and Packers, that rivalry. And my pick, my pick for the best Major League Baseball player we have seen in the 2000s so far. Some may disagree. Most, or I should say some may agree. Most may disagree with with my pick. If you do, Hit me up on Twitter at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R, Facebook.com slash Casper Sports. Let's get into it, though. Uh, week one, NFL season in the books. And oh, just drop by, trust, drop my notebook. That's what you heard in the background there. So, uh, you know, we, by now you, you've probably heard everybody talk about their their storylines, overreactions to, to week one and doom and glooms and and all that sort of stuff but if i had to pick one storyline from 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 week one of the nfl season and and i mentioned this on the radio show but it would be the first time head coaches in their debuts talking about kevin o'connell minnesota brian dabble with the giants um i'm looking at mike mcdaniel with the dolphins um, I'm looking at you know I know and, and Nathaniel Hackett with with the Broncos you got to throw him in there as 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 well and Matt Eberflus with with Chicago on Sunday all the first time head coaches I'm not talking about Josh McDaniels because it's the second stint Dennis Allen Lovey Smith on his third one I'm talking the, the the head coaches that have coached for the very very first time in the NFL but on Sunday every single one of those guys got their first win got a win Nathaniel Hackett close on Monday Night Football. But to me, that's the big storyline because a lot of times we see these coaches, especially if they're, you know, outside of coaches who are put in really good positions. Kevin O'Connell was put in a good spot. Let's let's be real. You know, it goes to the Vikings and, you know, and I'm not discrediting what Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings did against Green Bay. They they dominated. But, you know, he goes in, has a quarterback, has some offensive weapons, has some defensive pieces. He had he has a good cast over there. Same with uh, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. They did a lot in this offseason. But a lot of times we see these first-time head coaches, you know, go in and, and maybe they they'll lose their first game, maybe even lose the first few weeks of the season. Remember Dan Campbell last year, finally got that first win. It was just like an emotional thing. It's like finally got that first win. It's not a talking point anymore. They're gonna go winless. How bad are they? They're gonna are they playing for the first overall pick? Week one we had all but one get their first win and Nathaniel Hackett's not going to have to wait long for his first win. Let's let's be real, okay? 
he ain't going to wait long. Probably going to get in week two, if little tease there on, on my picks coming up here. But to me, that's the big storyline, especially Brian Dabble. Of, of, of all the guys, if I had to rank them, who of the, of the uh, first-time head coaches, if I had to rank them uh, in terms of like, all right, they, they really won the weekend. They, they impressed the most. That might be the best way to put it. They impressed the most. Brian Dabble, to me, is the guy with, with the Giants because the Giants roster – Awful. I'm sorry. I think you know they're gonna they're gonna get there. I like some of their young guys, Thibodeau over there on on the defensive side and such. But Daniel Jones not buying. Saquon Barkley didn't know what he was. I mean, there was talk that could he be traded, going to a contender and such. How is he gonna recover? He's been banged up, dude. Uh, one player of the week. But going up against the Titans and such, and Daniel Jones. I mean, it was just kind of like, oh, what's gonna go on here? What? sealed it for me not only was it the win but going for two getting the two and then you know Tennessee missed the field goal at the end to win it but the fact that he went for two even if he didn't get the two-point conversion that still would have resonated within that locker room Mike Vrabel did a similar thing when he you know a couple years ago too when he was with uh, first getting started with the Titans sending that message throughout the locker room sending that message through your team hey we're going to be aggressive we're not going to be, you know, passive. I got you guys. I got your back. I believe in you. Ignore the talk. This is us. We're in this thing together. Brian Dabble won the weekend for me, for, for these coaches. I don't think the Giants are going to do anything this year in terms of making the postseason or, or being a surprise team. They're going to lose more games than win. But what he did in week one, outside that win, going for two and making those decisions, he set the tone for his team in that locker room. Brian Dabble is the clear-cut winner. Eberflus is second. Did he maybe? Did the Bears maybe benefit with the weather? Maybe. I don't care. Both of those teams had to play in that weather. Chicago has gone through some this offseason. Roquan wanting out. They, they traded Khalil Mack earlier. There's been questions like, what the hell are they doing with this team and how are they building it? Is Justin Fields, you know, is he going to be the guy? Survivor leagues across the, the world, popular pick was probably the 49ers to beat Chicago. And in the first half, it was just 10 nothing. but it felt like San Francisco was just really dominating Chicago. But Chicago was staying around. They were hanging around there a little bit. And lo and behold, Chicago comes back and they get the victory. Now, I'm not a believer in Chicago either this year, but Matt Eberflus, yeah, you know, that, and, and getting that, that win, confidence within the team. Kind of changes the narrative a little bit, kind of changes the flow of all the talks around in Chicago and that, hey, got something positive now. So Eberflus was second for, for me. Mike McDaniel going up against Bill Belichick. You could put him up there too. Tyreek Hill talking about, you know, his coach has got some – uh, cojones, cojones going for going for it on fourth and seven, especially against Bill Belichick. Mike McDaniel didn't like succumb to like, oh god, that's Bill Belichick across the sideline for me. Nah, Miami should have won that game because of the talent. I mean, clearly better talented team than New England. They did it. They took care of business. But you beat Bill Belichick as a as a rookie head coach. So Mike McDaniel's clearly up there on that list as well. O'Connell. Changing things up on the offensive side for, for, for Minnesota. Really utilizing Justin Jefferson. Vikings, Devontae, 
Green Bay, like Green Bay had done for so many years with Devontae Adams, just you know using Devontae in a bunch of different ways and getting him the ball. They did that with Justin Jefferson against Green Bay. That offense is going to be, I think, an underrated offense. They're going to be really solid this year. Uh, if their defensive players can can stay healthy, they're going to be a pesky team. They're going. I I pick I picked them to make the postseason. I think they're going to be in the postseason. So, um, and I'm not concerned about Green Bay at this point. Um, just everybody who's like, oh God, this is defense, and there's nobody to help out Aaron. Week one, let's see it against Chicago. Let's let's just pump the brakes here a little bit. Okay, let's let's pump the brakes. And Nathaniel Hackett, you know, the big thing's going to be the decision to kick it. Uh, the the field goal on that fourth down, 64-yarder. He already admitted, yeah, looking back on it, probably should have went the other way. It's a learning thing. First-time head coach, it's a learning thing. Move on. Denver's still going to be a solid team. they got too much talent not to be. My biggest question with Denver, though, heading into this year was the the coaching. A lot of first-time coaches uh, or you know, a lot of coaches on that staff getting elevated to to positions for the first time. Would they have some hiccups? Would they go up and down, you know, a little bit? And while well, we saw it in the first game, Denver's still going to win quite a few games. So Nathaniel Hackett's not going to have to wait long to to look for his first win either. But for first-time head coaches, that to me was the biggest storyline from the weekend. Clearly the biggest one. So, But let's get into week two picks, all right? Quick break here, and then coming up next... We'll do some week two picks and some fancy football talk. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking, those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. All right, it's time to make some picks for week two of the NFL season. Last week, humble brag, went 12-4 and in my picks. Uh, the ones I got wrong, Green Bay, Minnesota, uh, Denver, Seattle. Got uh, the tie on there, too. Then he had uh, with with the Colts and Texans, and then uh, the Bears and the and the Forty ers and, and such. So twelve right last week, not bad, not too shabby. Let's see if we can do a little bit better for 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 week two here. So I'll pick the games, give you the lines and that, and then right after that, uh, do some fantasy. I'm gonna. I think these are players primed to have a a solid week two in fantasy and a couple of these good dudes are going to be dudes like yeah yeah those those are guys you always keep in your lineup and such but i think they're primed in a fantasy sense fancy fancy football sense to have uh an opportunity to put up some some big numbers uh this week however let's uh let's get into to the picks here okay so i've got uh chiefs versus the chargers chiefs versus the chargers uh, Thursday night football. Chiefs are favored by four and a half at the time of this 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 recording. If if Keenan Allen was was playing in this game, I think it's within the line. It's within the four and a half. But I do think that the Chiefs are going to get the victory, and I think they cover. So I, I think the Chiefs cover. Allen's playing in this game. I might make it uh, within that uh that line 
Um, and plus, it is on the road. J.C. Jackson listed as questionable. If he plays, that's a difference, especially in the, in the secondary for for the Chargers. But I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, and I think they cover. Uh, Detroit, congratulations at the time of this recording, at least. I always got to put that caveat in this thing. They're favored for the first time in like forever against Washington. Washington got the victory last week against uh, uh, against Jacksonville. Detroit losing in a high scoring affair to to Philly. But uh, I agree with the line. Detroit one and a half favorite over Washington. I'm going to go with that. I think Detroit gets the W uh, over the Commanders of Washington. Uh, next up, Browns favored by six and a half over the Jets. I think the Browns win, but I don't think it'll be by the cover. I just have this weird feeling because all week, you know, Robert Sala has you know you know for for some of the stuff he said, you know, we're keeping receipts and all that and. I know he's kind of been criticized. Jets have been kind of been joked about and that. I just almost feel like maybe the Jets kind of keep it a little bit close, closer than what it should be at this point. Um, but uh, I do think the Browns still win, but I don't think they cover. I don't think it'll be uh, over six and a half. Then we've got Tampa uh, and the Saints. Uh, I've gone back and forth on this. I know the Saints have had Tom Brady's number ever since. He's been with uh, since he's been with Tampa, but I just think Tampa Bay's defense is gonna make things confusing a little bit for for Jameis Winston. New Orleans has a lot of talent. They made the come from behind victory against uh, Atlanta last week, but I think Tom Brady is gonna you know get that monkey off his back, if you will, if you could say Tom Brady ever has a monkey on his back. I think Tom Brady uh, and, and the Bucks get the win over the Saints and they cover at their two-and-a-half line. Uh, Panthers and Giants. Giants are favored in this game one-and-a-half. Giants got the victory last week against Tennessee. Panthers falling to to the Browns. I'm actually going to go with the Panthers on this one. So even though the Giants are favored by one-and-a-half, I'm going to go with the Panthers in this game against the Giants. Steelers, Patriots. Patriots are actually favored in this one, too, two-and-a-half. But I'm going to go with the Steelers in, in this one. I think the Steelers get the victory over the Patriots. Colts, Jaguars, for whatever reason, the Jaguars have been the bugaboo for the Colts. Colts couldn't get it done against Houston. You know, Before the season, I thought Houston would be kind of a pesky team. I thought they would be a little bit better than what they were last year. Uh, ended up tying it with the Colts. I think the Colts bounce back, and they get that monkey off their back, kind of do a little revenge game against the Jaguars from last year. It'll be close. I've got the Colts winning. And I don't know if they'll cover. I, it's going to be close. It's right there. Yeah, I think Colts cover four and a half. Uh, let's go Ravens-Dolphins. This is an intriguing game here. Ravens still getting hit with some injuries, though. Still getting dinged with some injuries. I think they edge it out. I it, Ravens are favored three and a half over the Dolphins right now. I think this is going to be a good game and has the makings or at least the potential. To, to be a really good game. So I'm going to go Ravens, but I don't think they cover. I think Ravens win by three. Uh, Rams, Falcons, Rams coming off their loss against Buffalo. Falcons losing the lead against the, the Saints there. Rams are favored by 10.5, and, and I think the Rams win, and I think the Rams cover. A lot of talk about their offense performance against Buffalo. I think they're going to come out just uh, firing on all cylinders, and they're going to put up a big big number on Atlanta so I think the Rams win and they cover Seattle coming off of an emotional win against Denver 49ers losing to the uh, to the to the Chicago Bears 
49ers are favored at 8.5. I think the 49ers win, but they don't cover at 8.5. Bengals, Cowboys. This game would be a little bit more interesting if Dak Prescott was playing. Uh, and you can see this in the line, too. Bengals are favored by 7.5, and, and I think the Bengals win, and I think they cover with that 7.5. Broncos, Texans. Broncos favored by 9.5 over the Texans. Some big numbers here. I'm going to go with the Broncos winning, but I don't think they cover at 9.5. Raiders, Cardinals. Raiders are favored by 5.5. Raiders win. Raiders also cover at 5.5. Packers, Bears. Packers are favored by 9.5 over Chicago. Packers win and Packers cover over 9.5. Bills, Titans, Bills. 9.5 point favorites over the Titans. Bills with that big victory. They had a couple extra days to prepare for the Titans. Titans coming off that loss against the uh, uh, against the, the the Giants. If the Titans can control the time of possession, the clock with the running game with Derrick Henry, they can keep it close. Bills do win this thing, but I do think the Bills cover with their nine and a half. They're going to win by ten. And then Eagles Vikings, both teams getting wins in Week One. Eagles are favored by one and a half. I am going to go with the Eagles. I think the Eagles cover. Uh, with that. So, the fact that it's in Philly, I'm going to ride with the Eagles to win that game. So, we'll see if we can uh, match the, the picks in or the wins and losses from picks from last week with uh, with, with these picks. But get some intriguing games. I think the, the games that I'm really kind of, uh, well, obviously, games that I'm excited or intrigued about Chiefs, Chargers, of course. I think Detroit, Washington could be a good game. Tampa and the Saints are going to be a good game. Uh, Ravens-Dolphins uh, I think is going to be a good game as well. We'll see if the Cardinals can kind of bounce back against the, the, the Raiders. That can be an intriguing game. And Eagles-Minnesota I think is going to be uh, a good game too. Titans can beat the Bills if they can control the, the, the time of possession the clock and get that run game going, but they can't. And Bills' defense looks better too, so uh, I don't know. Maybe last year that's a little bit more of an intriguing game for me. I'm just not quite sold yet on the, on the Tennessee Titans this year. Fantasy football uh, purposes here. So, um, give me all Green Bay. Might be a little bit of a homer pick. I know Chicago's, you know, got a little confidence. They got some players saying, hey, coach told us we're the better team and we know we're going to win this game. Whatever. If you want to say bulletin board material, you can. I don't know. Green Bay, they're going to bounce back from what uh, what we saw against Minnesota. The offense is going to put up some points. Give me Aaron Rodgers in fantasy. Give me Aaron Jones. Give me A.J. Dillon. And give me this Packers defense in fantasy this week against Chicago. Packers defense, they got some pride on the line. Packers offense, you kn- they're, they're going to play better than what they did. They're going to get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon more involved in the game, especially in the passing game. I think Alan Lazard plays in this game. Rodgers is going to have better numbers. At home, Sunday night, Lambeau against the Bears. Give me everything about the Packers in fantasy football. Uh, also, give me Nick Chubb with Cleveland going up against the Jets, running the football. Probably one of the most consistent, yet I would argue a little bit, underrated running backs in the entire NFL. So give me Nick Chubb against the Jets in fantasy football. Uh, Rams, I like obviously Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup, you just put him in your damn starting lineup every week. Okay, but going up against Atlanta, coming off that week one loss against Buffalo, Cooper Cup is going to put up some big numbers. I think Allen Robinson is going to put up some numbers this week too. Put those receivers in your lineup and the Rams D going up against Atlanta. Put that Rams D up against Atlanta too. Start 
that Los Angeles Rams defense. Uh, a couple more receivers I like. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, Denver, against uh, against the Texans. I think they're going to put up some big numbers there. And then also, I mean, Devontae Adams against the Cardinals. I think he's going to, you know, he put up big numbers in week one in the loss against the Chargers. He's going to continue to put up some big numbers. And also, Darren Waller for the tight end for, for the Raiders, I think, is going to put up some big numbers against that Cardinals defense too. So those are just some of the people, some of the players I like in fantasy that I predict, my prediction, that I think are going to put up some big numbers week two fantasy football season. All right, quick break. And then coming up after these quick words, speaking of Packers-Bears, we're going to talk a little bit about the the Packers-Bears rivalry, that history, some cool stories. And as part of our Legends Never Die after these quick words. Hey, what up, everybody? Dan Casper here. I hope you are enjoying this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I just wanted to send you a quick reminder that if you are not subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast, do me a favor, do me a solid, and subscribe to that podcast. It's free, okay? And we're available on like every single podcasting platform out there. iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, you name it, we're probably there. And if you, uh, on your favorite podcasting platform, if you have the ability to rate or review the podcast, like on iTunes or Spotify, go ahead and do me another favor, if you don't mind, please. Five stars. Five stars. Leave a solid review, too, if you can, like on iTunes. That way other people can find the Man Cave Podcast, okay? And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Casper Sports, and at Twitter at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R. You can even follow me on Instagram, Dan Casper Sports. Remember, that's a Casper with a K. Now, let's get back to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Time for a little, uh, what I like to call, Legends Never Die. Of course, it's from, that was a little too dramatic, but that's uh, anybody who watches Sandlot, one of my favorite quotes of all time, uh, what's, what's the, you know, the, the, the dream Babe Ruth, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. I love that quote. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time, not just movie quotes, but uh, quotes there. So, And I'm a big, as you guys know, big history buff, sports, conspiracy theories, whatever, American history, it doesn't matter. But I wanted to do something. Like, I love telling the story. I love telling stories. I love, you know, kind of bringing back history and, and bringing back stories that – maybe a lot of people don't know about or don't uh never heard about before and uh with this packers bears rivalry packers bears rivalry of course it's the longest rivalry in in football but maybe we've kind of forgotten some of the you know some of the games at the beginning of this rivalry right so you know 60s we're we're still kind of there with you know Star and and Hallis and, and and that sort of stuff, but really when 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 these two teams got their goings, you know, in the twenties, even into to the thirties and such, there's some really like interesting, fun kind of stories that kind of tell us about uh, some of these games. So I wanted to kind of highlight some of these and kind of tell that story uh, about some of these games because it's it's a part of history. It's a part of this 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 rivalry's history so if you go back to the first game it was actually the the decatur staley's uh going up against the packers the staley's won 20 to nothing november 27th 1921 
Um, this was at Chicago. Um, Gaylord Pete Stinchcomb scored the game's first touchdown on a 45-yard run. Uh, a year later is when the Staley's changed their name to, 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 to the Bears. 1924, flash forward a few years. The first ejection of players for fighting in an NFL game occurred between the Bears and the Packers. The Bears, Frank Haney, and the Packers, Tilly Voss, were ejected before the end of the first half as verbal exchanges led to punches being thrown. Two years later, Haney was actually ejected once again in a game versus uh, versus the Packers. Um, then, you know, I'm not going to go through, obviously, every game, but 1935, Don Hudson's first game, Packers win 7 nothing. Uh Obviously, it, it's known, for, you know, for, for Don Hudson's first game, but he scored uh, on an 83-yard touchdown pass from Arnie Herber on the very first play of the game. Uh, first reception, first touchdown in the regular season for Don Hudson, and that was obviously the difference when the Packers won 7 to nothing. A year later, September 20th of 1936, Bears dominated the Packers. However, there was a Packers fan named Emmett Platt, Platt, uh, I hope I pronounced uh, the last name right, but out of frustration, uh, excuse me, ran out onto the field and punched Bears lineman Ted Rosequist, believing he had committed several dirty plays on the Packers. Ted was knocked out by the punch and had to be removed from the game. I mean, think about that. A fan, 1936 football, runs out on the field, punches an opposing player and knocks him out. Almost 100 years later. And that's to me, like I've always said, like if I could ever hop in a DeLorean in a time machine and go to a different era in, in, in sports, I would always pick like the 30s or the 40s because... I would want to watch a football game during that era. And it might be, you know, kind of not as entertaining as the game is today. Let's be real. I mean, we've had experience. Obviously, that was a 30-3 to game. A lot of running the football and, and, and such. But the, I would want to go to that era to watch a football game, mostly just to experience the environment and to kind of experience what it was like watching a football game during that era. And then up baseball for for the same reason. So that's why when you know if you could go to a different time and and watch a watch a sporting event, I always kind of went to like the 30s or the 40s uh, for for myself. But um, just thought that was kind of an interesting one uh, right there too. So uh, let's go with uh, another one here. Um, which one do? So 1941, the Bears, Packers beat the Bears 16-14, but the Bears came into the game. This was on November 2nd, 1941. Undefeated. Uh, they looked unbeatable. They, uh, uh, the Packers upset them in this game, which was the Bears' only defeat. The Associated Press wrote of the game that the Bears' myth is broken. Chicago fans made accus- accusations that the game had been fixed and it was suggested that the Packers had employed a secret defensive scheme. The Packers had built a 16-0 lead through three quarters of play before the Bears mounted a comeback in the fourth quarter, coming up just short of a win. Wow, so even they talked about games being fixed in even uh, the 1940s. How about that? Jeez Louise. Uh, The first playoff meeting between these two teams occurred a month later in 1941. 
Bears dominating the Packers 33 to 14. It was the, as we said, the first playoff meeting between the two rivals. Um, let's go with, yeah, uh, we go 1957. Um, the Packers hosted the Bears in an inaugural game at their brand new stadium called New City Stadium, which we now know as Lambeau Field. And then we can do a 1959 a couple years later. Debut game for Vince Lombardi. Packers were down six to nothing. Jim Taylor scored on a five-yard touchdown run that uh, ultimately led the Packers, helped the Packers to victory in a nine to six victory. And we've had other games uh, coming up here too. We've got, uh, you know, especially like in the. Well, I want to get to this one, 1964. I don't know if uh, too many people who know about this one either. 1964, September 13th, 1964, Packers beat the Bears 23 to 12. Um, but what makes this game kind of uh, significant was it's remembered as the free kick game. Now, if you know this rule in, in, in football, it's the fair catch kick rule. The Packers invoked this, uh, which allows for a place or a drop kick field goal attempt from the spot of a fair catch. Elijah Pitts fair caught a Bears punt on the Bears 48-yard line just before the end of the first half. Vince Lombardi opted to attempt a free kick. However, there was confusion because neither team had ever thought about this, done this before. The Packers lined up at the line of scrimmage. Bart Starr held for Paul Horning. Horning made the 52-yard field goal as the first half ended. Packers uh, the Packers, as it says here, stunned all in the attendance with the kick, won the game twenty-three to twelve. So, the remember that once in a while, once in a while, we'll hear about the the fair catch, free kick uh, type of game there. But and and we've had you know other ones. Obviously, we've had especially in the eighties with the, you know the refrigerator goal line situation it was the the Monday night football game back on October 21st 1985 the fridge was born uh we had you know the 80s really i mean that was the bears dominating year uh but it was still physical it was still violent um you know he was uh, uh what was the uh, like uh, in week 12 of 1986 season Charles Martin, Green Bay defensive tackle, wore a towel with a hit list of specific Bears numbers written on it. Uh, so he, you know, he had Walter Payton on there. He had Jim McMahon on there, following a McMahon interception. Martin came up from behind and body slammed him into the turf. Bears did win that game, twelve to ten. So then you also had the instant replay game, nineteen eighty nine. Packers won fourteen to thirteen. Don Mikowski led the Packers to a comeback. With a game-winning touchdown pass to Sterling Sharp, the play was called a touchdown, but the the line judge had called a penalty on Mikowski for being beyond the line of scrimmage when he threw the pass. This was at Lambeau Field. Call went up for an instant replay. Several minutes later, the call came down. Several minutes later, not yeah, that's the thing. Uh, well, it was the '80s, '89, and the touchdown was rewarded. Uh, uh, by by instant replay. So the Packers, their first victory over the Bears since 1984. So all-time leading series. Packers, they own this now. They surpassed it back in 2017. They own the all-time leading uh, series. Uh, Packers are uh, 103 wins, 
95 losses, six ties. That's the Packers' record against uh, against the Bears there. Right now, the Bears own the most wins in uh, NFL history, team wins in NFL history, by just two. So if the Packers have a better record than the Bears by at least two this year, overall record by at least two, they will at least tie it, potentially could overtake it this year. But those are just some of the the interesting stories, you know, when you hear. And I've been starting to hear some stuff, too, is like how much can you actually say that this is a rivalry because it has been so one-sided? I don't buy that. I think if it's a a, a long, historic rivalry, it's still going to be a rivalry. Teams, players may still like dislike each other. The fans will always, always, always dislike each other, and that's – a focal part when it comes to uh, comes to a rivalry. So there has been some talk, chitter chat on, on like the socials, like, oh, can this even be a rivalry anymore? Is it still considered a rivalry because it's been so one sided? Hell yes, it still is a rivalry. Okay, so let's just tone that down there. Just tone it down. But that's kind of our first uh, legends never die. This this historic, this legendary rivalry between the the Packers and the Bears, and it will continue again this weekend for week two in the NFL season. All right, quick break, and uh, coming up, closing arguments. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking, those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire, located at 2424 East Claremont Avenue. So for my closing arguments or final arguments, closing statements, there, that, that's, that's better, closing statements, because it's not always necessarily an argument, right? Nothing, not everything has to be an argument. So, But um, I wanted to, obviously a lot of talk is, you know, if you're looking at the baseball world with Aaron Judge and, and his home run race, he set the the new Yankees record and, and such, but Albert Pujols is getting close to to having 700 career home runs. He says he's not coming back next year, even if he falls just a little bit short. Not coming back to to get that 700. But I personally think I think he's going to get it beforehand. But for for our closing segments here, I want to talk a little bit about who I believe is the best as of now, the best baseball player we have seen in the 2000s. So we are in 2022. And Pujols got his career started in 2001. And he started his career off with a flipping bang. With a flipping bang. You know? So we're going to break down some of the numbers. And I think this will help make my case why I believe he is the easily the best player from 2000 to 2010. But up until this point, the best player in Major League Baseball in the 2000s. But let's take a look at, at, at some of these numbers here. 2001, okay, rookie year, first year. Um, Pujols obviously wins rookie of the year, but he hit 37 home runs, batted 329, 130 RBIs. And if you look at from 2001 all the way till 2011, uh, his his first ten years or so with with the Cardinals there, he never got he he hit I should say let me rephrase it he hit over a hundred RBIs or collected over a hundred RBIs in every year except 
2011, but he had 99. Uh, he never hit fewer than 32 home runs. Went 37, 34, 43, 46, 41, 49, 32, 37, 47, 42. And then uh, 37, his final year in, in with, the, with the Cardinals there. If we want to see another player try to reach that 700, I feel like 700 now has become a milestone. We, we talk about 500 home runs, and then you get to the 600, but 700 is like the next like premier milestone. If we're ever going to see another hitter get to that, I feel like, one, they got to start off their career young. Pujols started at the age of 21, but have that sustained success throughout like a long stretch like Pujols just had right there. But perhaps what's more impressive, too, is his OPS during that stretch of 01 to 2000 and, and through 2011. We're talking 1.1, are ridiculous numbers. Batting average... Throughout that, never hit below 300 until that final year in 2011 when he hit 299. Over 300 every single year. And it wasn't just barely. The next lowest ones, 312. 312. 329, 314, 359, 331, 330, 331, 327, 357, 327, 312, 299. I mean, the, it's it's absolutely Ridiculous. The, the the way Albert Pujols started his career is just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I don't want to say never, that, that we will never see another hitter start their career like that. But, I mean, holy crap, you guys. That is just, that is monstrous. And, I, and, and the thing is, those are all offensive numbers. I get it. But the guy has also won some gold glove awards, too. He, he, he's won a few gold gloves. He's a two-time gold glove winner. He's won three MVPs so far. He's won a couple World Series, uh, six-time Silver Slugger, batting title. To me, at this point in time, to me at this point in time, and I say that because it could change because we just, we're 22 years into to the 2000s, right? But at this point in time, Albert Pujols to me is the best player in Major League Baseball that we've seen in the 2000s. If I had to power rank players starting at year 2000 going up to now, Pujols would probably be my number one. Easily, if we broke it down from like 2000 to 2010, it's no question to me it's Albert Pujols. And I think he's going to get 700. What he's doing this year too is is pretty remarkable considering, you know, when he went to the Angels, he had in, in 2012 – he put up 30 home runs, 105 RBIs. Yeah, still pretty solid. But then you kind of started to see it, you know, go down a little bit. 17, 64, 17 home runs, 64 RBIs in just 99 games. Uh, 28 home runs, 105. Bounces back in, in 2015 there with 40 home runs, just 95 RBIs. 2016, 31 home runs, 119 RBIs. Then you can kind of see the trend going down. 23 home runs, 19, 23, 6, 17. Uh, and then goes to the Dodgers there for a little bit. But this year for the Cardinals so far, 18 home runs. 
You know, I don't. I honestly don't know. I'm sure there was some chat, but there was probably some like, yeah, he's going to get close, but maybe not get 700. But now we're at the point where we're thinking he's going to get 700. 18 home runs, a nice little bounce back year for Albert Pujols. And I hope he gets 700. I'm a Brewers fan. We've had to deal with uh, Albert Pujols and the Cardinals for many, many, many years. But he's a guy that, from all accounts, did it right. He is a machine, but he's done it right and you, you kind of cheer for those guys to get those milestones, and I really hope Albert Pujols gets to 700 career home runs. But for my money, you guys can disagree, but for me, I think he is the best player so far in the 2000s, 2000s in Major League Baseball. Mike Trout could eventually get there for, for some people. I mean, he's got a few years left. I know Mike Trout is already ranked higher in, for, for Albert Pujols, uh, against Albert Pujols in the all-time players list. But and maybe once all said and done for for Mike Trout, uh, he could be definitely it. But oh, when you look at offensively and and you add on that he did win some Gold Gloves, I'm taking Albert Pujols during his prime. Dude was a machine, absolute machine. That's gonna do it for this episode of the of the Man Cave Podcast, though. Hey, big thanks everybody for checking us out. If this was your first time, hopefully we can get you back. Uh, if you're a regular listener, always appreciate the support and such. But if you are not subscribing to the podcast for free, uh, make sure you do that. We're, the, the podcast is up on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Don't forget to, to rate and review. Give us those five stars and some positive reviews so other people can find us uh, as well. And tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandparents, tell your brothers and sisters, your best friends, your wife, your husband about the podcast too. Uh, Until next time, enjoy week two of the NFL games. We'll be back at it again next week for another episode of the Man Cave Podcast.